for coming on first and foremost, man. I really appreciate it because I know you're it's a, you're a busy dude. I know that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I think it's you know normally uh, during the off season, I'm uh, it's like I don't care. Like I'll just I'll make the time. But like it's at this point in the season where it's just like it gets really dicey because I start having a lot of things I got to get done. Right. Um, just in preparation for the season, you know what I mean. But um, but yeah, no, ha- more than happy to be on, and um, you know, and uh, and glad we could do this. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Right before you came on, actually, I was on my phone. I was watching um, your last episode of Tackling Dummies with oh, okay. uh, Adam Rank. Dude, yeah. you, know, you know what's funny about Adam is, you know, he puts out, like, great advice, I feel like. Yeah. So since Michael Fabiano kind of, like, stepped aside and he's doing, I think, what is he, who is he writing for now? Like, Fabs? Yeah. Fabs is writing for uh, Sports Illustrated. Yeah, so, like, you know how he used to do, like, the stardom, sit him and stuff like that? And then, like... Right. Adam kind of like took over and well, the network let the, the network let fabs go. I mean, they didn't like, you know, they didn't, they didn't renew his contract. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. They just didn't renew it. So, um, and then, um, I don't know. He, he, honestly, he was kind of sort of a problem. So it's not really? that surprising. Wow. Yeah. He's not, he's a kind of sort of a bad attitude guy. Wow. You know, I, I do follow him on Twitter and I can kind of see that. He's a Yankee fan just like me, so I, I get where the bad attitude could come <laughs> there you from. Go. So <laughs> but um, Wait, hold on, you're a Yankee fan, but you got a you got a Mike Schmidt jersey hanging back there. What's going you on? Bro? The Mike Schmidt dog, dude. This jersey, <laughs> this jersey is beautiful. How can you not? I mean That's what I'm saying. It's a beautiful but it's a Philly Philadelphia Phillies jersey. Oh dude, you'd be really I thought, upset I thought at New me. Yorkers I thought New Yorkers were not allowed to like Philly people. I you thought that was the rule. You got to respect the drip, though. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a beautiful true, no, jersey, and, and no, I love no, I love that jersey. I love that throwback. It's one of my favorite throwbacks. You would be really mad at me if you saw my hat collection. I got every hat under the sun except for a Mets <laughs> and a Boston Red Sox. I refuse those two. There I you got go. Everything there else. you go. Hey, you got to draw a line in the sand somewhere, buddy. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was, you know, talking about Adam as he kind of took over the stardom sitem thing last year, and yeah, and. He offered great advice and I just never took it. And every time that he had someone as like a sit that I had on my, in my lineup, he, mm-hmm. it would always come true. And I'm like, why don't I listen to this guy <laughs> every single time? But um, no, that, that's an awesome, um, that's an awesome show you guys have uh, you. for sure. And before we really get into like what I wanted to talk about with you today, I know that we don't have too, too much time. What is, mm-hmm. um, I saw your tweets recently. What, can you explain to me and everyone listening what reception yes. perception is? Reception Perception is a website um, that my business partner, Matt Harmon, created. Um, and basically, it's an analytics tool. He basically charts all these receivers. Like, he, he will go through and watch, like, eight games, mm-hmm. um, sometimes more, uh, of these guys. And he will – and he charts it by success rate. So, like – and this is independent of quarterback play, right? So, like, just off the line. Successful, unsuccessful. Like if he's running a nine route, was he successful? Was is he, if he's running a corner route, was he successful? Um, did he beat his man? Is basically um, is basically the thing. Um, and and again, it's completely irrelevant uh, of quarterback play. Like the quarterback could be terrible, but like you mm. could have Dwayne Haskins, but uh, Terry McLaurin's still going to beat you off the line. Um, and so yeah, and so he he keeps track of like every single route that they run. He keeps track of man or pre- man press or zone coverage, um, and he just keeps track of all that stuff for like sixty or so wide receivers, and it's it's the sixty probably most relevant 
um, wide receivers right. in football. So, so yeah, no, um, he, he does like an incredible job just kind of putting that all together. And, um, you really get a sense of like, Oh, okay. Like this guy's good on the corner route. This guy's good on the nines. This guy's good on comebacks or whatever, you know, it's like, and, and like, it's, it's really interesting. Like it's really been eye opening for me. The narrative is like, like, uh, like somebody like Adam Thielen, great route runner. Not really, you know, really he just, not really, not really. He's um, a good player. He's mm-hmm. he's still a good player. He's just not a good route runner. Um, he just gets open, you know. That so it's there. There's a little bit of there's a little bit of difference, you know, between getting open and being a good route runner. You know, that's crazy because you would think that, especially someone like Thielen, who on every single you know, a little snippet of him you see on like Twitter or something. He's always destroying someone with some kind of like faint or something. And you would think like, oh my God, this guy's a great route runner. That's what I think. Cause everything that they show you is like, oh wow, he, he can get open. But I guess if you he really can, down, yeah. Like when you dig into the actual numbers of it all, like, you know, there's, there's certain things that he can get done. I mean, for example, like, okay, like he's, he's, um, I'd have to pull up the numbers, but I think he's like really good on slant routes. Right. But like, um, but here's the problem almost every receiver is good on slant yeah. routes. It's so fucking hard to d- defend the slant. Yeah. Um, that's why, um, you know, even premium receivers, you'd like to see them get a few layup throws inside because it's so difficult um, to defend the slant. Now, and then obviously, like, what you do with it afterwards, like, Odell Beckham is amazing at slant routes, but then it's like where he's really dangerous is, like, after the catch. That's what makes him so special. Yeah, in the open field. It's not just, yeah, it's not just the route running, and he's a phenomenal route runner, too. It's just, like I said, it's, it's after, what happens after the catch that, that separates him and, and makes him, a, a, you know, a, a very unique player when healthy. That's crazy. I got to um I got to look more into it because I kind of like grazed the surface and I saw it it did you tweet something that it's like the guidebook is coming out today or or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, it or, came out yesterday. The guidebook came oh, out yesterday. yesterday yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so I, I definitely got to look into that because it's it's you know, that's the way that really just sports in general is going with the more analytical approach and you know, you look at baseball as a prime example and I'm a humong- right. I'm I'm a humongous baseball fan, so I don't like all the analytics in some aspects but then if you really look at it like if you follow the analytics you will win more often than not so it's really like you would never think that that that's crazy to me that like Thielen isn't as good of a route runner as you think is that like the same thing with like Stefan Diggs is because I know Diggs is is no 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 Diggs is yeah no Diggs is he's incredible yeah all right so I was I was gonna say and then you got guys like I see Justin Jefferson and did you see that that um that highlight that came out of him, like destroying his man in camp or something like that. Yeah. Was, yeah. 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 Week. Yeah. No, no, he's great. No, no, no. He's, he, he's really, really great. Um, yeah. So I just looked up the Adam Thielen numbers, right? So like, he's, he's actually like about, he's kind of sort of average when it comes to the slant route. Um, and he's obviously well below average on deeper, deeper routes, like the nine corner and post. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he kind of sort of, you know, he kind of sort of makes his money like um, running curl routes and, and digs and, you know, kind of sort of more in-breaking routes. Right. Um, that's kind of sort of where he, he kind of sort of makes his hay. Um, but, yeah, like it, it, it is interesting, though. Like somebody like Cooper Cup actually um, continues to win despite posting, you know, relatively below average numbers on a lot of different routes 
Um, so yeah, I think that, I think the narrative on Cooper cup being a great route runner is definitely, uh, overblown, hmm. but that's, anyways, but yeah. yeah, that's awesome. I, now I definitely, now that you explained it more, I, I definitely have to take a look at it because it is fascinating. Some of those numbers, but as you know, obviously, because this is your bread and butter that, you know, fantasy football season is right around the corner. Some people even have their fantasy lineups and their fantasy teams set and ready to go. So I just had a few real questions for you because I play fantasy football. I have about four or five teams every single year. Last year uh, was the only year that I only had one team and I actually did win that league, but I felt like lost. You know, I felt like oh, I had to set one lineup and that's it. Like that wasn't, it wasn't as fun, but um, yeah, I have a lot of people that are interested in fantasy football that listen. So I, I thought it'd be great to have you on and you know, you're, you're great. Your, your Twitter content is awesome all the time and and obviously tackling dummies and all the the um next gen stats you put on your youtube channel is is really cool and, and really insightful and i think more people need to know about it so really the first question i had for you was in terms of when you draft your like fantasy team what is what positional order is the most important to it you? really depends on on league settings. So I play in a lot of leagues that are three wide receiver setups with the flex, mm -hmm. right? In those leagues, I actually put more emphasis um, on wide receiver than I would on running back. Mostly because, again, when we're talking about three wide receivers and a flex, you could potentially play four wide receivers. Yeah. Um, and you're talking about a 12-team league, maybe a 14-team league. Um, now we're talking about the top 48, you know, top 48 wide receivers in play. Then you got to think about benches, right? So now everyone's probably going to have at least, you know, two wide receivers on the bench. Um, that pool starts to get really thin. Um, but when you're playing in a two wide receiver setup, uh, and in my big money league, uh, the one I've been playing in for, golly, I don't know, like 15 years, more than probably, oh, um, <laughs> almost 20 years, right? Like I've been playing in this league, right? It's there. They are strictly... A two wide receiver league, and I have tried many times uh, to try to go to three wide receivers, just because I'm like the two wide receivers is to me so it's so archaic, you know. That's like, what I. That's actually that's, what I play with my in the the league that I've been in the longest is two wide receivers flex. It's so it's yeah. such an archaic way to play, man. <laughs> like it's so old school, you know. Like listen, when I was first playing, you know, fantasy football, you know, in the in the in the mid to late nineties, like yeah, that was that was the standard setup, you know. But it's like, come on, guys, we're in twenty twenty one now. Let's let's update this baby a little bit, you know. Uh, but yeah, no, it's um, but yeah, no, in that league, it's a two wide receiver setup, and in those particular leagues, uh, like, listen, man, you got to pound running back, you yeah. know, you just have to because the depth and the and the waiver wire pool for wide receivers is just wide open um and you're thinking like well what what, what does that one position make it's like listen man like that's probably an extra like 20 wide receivers that are not going to get drafted like that yeah. you know like that really adds up you know so um there there's going to be some decent replacement level uh guys on the waiver wire when you play in a two wide receiver setup um uh, meanwhile on running backs it's like look if you miss like, you know, you have to load up, you know, yeah. it's like in, in those two wide receiver setups, you just have to load up on running back. Cause you, even if you miss on your first couple of picks, it's fine. Like you have to, you know, find those guys in the mid and late rounds. Right. So with, you know, you're putting so much emphasis on, on basically those two positions, where does the tight end come into play when the draft, like when, when you get past maybe the first round, some, some people even take tight ends in the back end of yeah. the first round. 
So where do, where do they kind of fold into your, uh, into your plan? Cause it's not really interesting. I, yeah. For me, I think tight end is irrelevant. Um, really? It, it is. I, for me, um, I know a lot of people feel like, hey, you get such a positional advantage if you, if you draft Kelsey. And, and it's true. You do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really interesting. Um, when you actually go back and look at the winning rosters for people who win leagues, very rarely do they have tight end premium. It, it's rare. Um, I didn't have a good one last year. That's true. <laughs> and it's like, and the reason for that is because because there's only three good tight ends, really. And really, last year, there was only two good ones, right? It was mm-hmm. only Waller and, and Kelsey. That's it. Yeah. Um, that means even in a 12-team league, 10 other teams don't have a tight end, really. Like, not a premium one. Yeah. So everyone's kind of sort of on a level. 10 of these teams are on a level playing field, right? So, so you're... You know, again, it's like, why, why do these teams, like, you can't tell me that those two teams who draft Kelsey and Waller are predominant favorite. They're just not. So what I'm saying by that is, like, let me just be middle of the road, get league average play from tight end, and kill it in all these other positions. Like, that's my, that's my kind of sort of mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly understand why people do tight end premium, and, and I know a lot of very smart fantasy players um, believe in tight end premium and would show you stats and show you numbers that tight end premium is the way to go, blah, 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 blah. I'm just not one of those people, you right. know, mostly because, I, and like, this is how I play fantasy football. <laughs> I play mostly like, like I want guys that I like, cause I don't yeah, really have course. a team, right? Like I, but there, I'm like fans of certain players. Like I remember I would overdraft like CJ 2k. Cause I just, I loved watching Chris <laughs> Johnson play. Right. Um, I would overdraft Marshawn Lynch. I would overdraft, you know, guys like, it's just like, I would just do that because I liked watching them play. I liked them being on my roster and like, you know, watching them accumulate points. Even if they, even if they had a bad game, like, let me just like root for them, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I just find myself like gravitating way more towards like certain, uh, running backs and wide receivers. So, um, and like, if I miss out on certain like top end dudes, like I feel, I feel like, oh man, I can't believe I missed out on that guy. And then like, I'm looking at my team and I'm like, I don't even care about Darren Waller. Like, why do I, why do I have Darren Waller on my team? You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it's kind of sort of like that. And like, listen, I, I like Kelsey, you know, I, I like Kelsey a lot, but it's like, do I, do I like watching him play more than like, I don't know, let's say, I mean, even like, let's say like Patrick Mahomes. You know, like I just love watching Patrick Mahomes play, you know, Definitely. like if, if I'm going to do a, a positional premium, let me, let me go get Patrick. I know it's stupid, but let, let me get, let, let me do quarterback premium. Let me, let me go get Patrick Mahomes in the second round. You yeah, know what I mean? You, if I'm you tweeted do that. that earlier today, didn't you? Or, or something like I, that. Yesterday. Yeah. yeah, yesterday. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically my point being like, if, if Patrick, Mahomes, if you could reasonably project that Patrick Mahomes is going to get you 50 touchdowns. Do we still, as like, you know, fantasy football heads, do we still feel bad about, do we still not guys for taking Patrick Mahomes in the second round? I guess not. Like, do we still do that? Like, no way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right? Like, you would think, like, yeah, I mean, that should be fine. But it just doesn't happen. Like, Mm -hmm. if you get into an industry, industry league with, like, just, like, 12 industry guys, like, guys that, like, all work for, like, CBS, ESPN, Yahoo, and, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever... Like just 12 industry dudes. Patrick Mahomes is falling into like the middle of the third round because nobody wants to pull the trigger. No one wants to be that guy. Nobody <laughs> wants to be the guy who takes quarterback early. No one wants to do that. Um, and, I, and I promise you, like in an industry draft, like Lamar Jackson's going in like the seventh round or something, you know? It's just, 
Uh, it's just like it's just go these guys go so late you know um yeah. anyways but in like a, and so like i understand like in like your a normal draft like that just doesn't happen you mm-hmm. know like patrick is gonna go mahomes is gonna go in like the first 12 picks he's gonna probably be a, a first round pick you know That's or a guy insane. who gets picked up on the turn or like like 14th no later than 15th in like a regular home draft you know right. Um, so I don't know, but yeah, it is interesting. You know, like if you could get, if you, if you could reasonably project 50 or more touchdowns from Patrick Mahomes, it's like, you know, like, well are we shot, still yeah. saying he's a bad pick in the second round as like, you know, industry people, it'd be kind of dumb to say that, but yeah. yeah, anyways. Um, I remember last year, actually, I think I, I always take quarterback late like I, i've like anywhere between anywhere past the eighth round is usually where i take a quarterback and last year yeah that's the, the smart way to go in the 10th i took josh allen and well he basically won me the league but that's not yeah, going to yeah, happen yeah. this year you're not going to be there in the 10th round but um <laughs> do you play josh do you, allen josh allen was everyone's like every favorite analyst's favorite quarterback like everyone loved all the analysts loved josh allen i was definitely one of those people too so oh, um yeah, I mean, listen, no, but no, even I, there's no analyst, any analyst who's like, oh yeah, yeah, I saw this coming, is just is is lying. Yeah, no way. They completely turned around that offense. They went from a, a run first, a run heavy offense to like all to of a sudden like the last spread. In the league, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like let's let's spread it around. We're gonna run four wide receiver sets and just and just run and gun, man. Like it was crazy, man. Like so, uh, no, it was it was great to see. Do you in your leagues that you play? I don't know how many leagues do you play in, but um, do you do you play PPR at all, like half point, full point? Do you do you play? No, those? I I I only I literally only play in PPR leagues. Nice, um, good man. I don't know, like like I, I'm okay with standard too. I'm mm-hmm. totally okay with standard. Um, I, and I've said this a lot. The reason you play PPR. Um, is actually not to give wide receivers uh, a benefit. It's actually to give running backs a benefit. Yeah. So there, it, it expands the pool of playable running backs. That's what PPR truly does. Even though people think that PPR is meant to help fantasy wide receivers, it's much more, the real life effect is really to expand the running back pool. Um, guys like, you know, Austin Eckler back in the day right. had PPR value. So mm-hmm. even so guys today, like Naheem Hines, PPR value. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what I was thinking. Uh, who, like Tariq yeah. Cole, so like that. exactly. You know, mm-hmm. so it's just kind of sort of like, um, those are the guys that it truly helps, you know, and it, it and, and it makes it such that you're not dealing with such a limited running back pool. Um, Cause even in 12 man leagues, like every single starters off the board, right? Every single yeah. starters off the board. And then most backups are off the board. Like that's how crazy it gets um, for, for running backs in even a 12 man league. Now imagine going to 14, like forget <laughs> it. You know, it's like, dude, you've got, you've got like, you know, you've got guys that you are projecting to maybe potentially get a few snaps here and there, like total handcuffs, you know? So, um, so yeah, no, um, I think like that's what PPR does. And, and like, it's just a, for me, a more equitable way to play. And I mean, you know, again, like what, like this is how people play now, you know, ever since ESPN went to, to PPR, mm-hmm. it's the only thing people play now. So yeah. Um, I'm okay with half PPR too, by the way. Um, totally okay play, with that. I play in one league half and then the other one is full. But, um, so, you know, with 
now that you've, we've established that you play PPR and all the, the value of the running back and everything, what are your looking into this season? Like in terms of sleepers, who are you looking at? Uh, any, yeah. Any I mean, Naheem Hines, right? well, yeah. Naheem Hines, like I mentioned, is one of my favorite targets. Like he gives me a lot of Austin Eckler vibes, honestly, mm. you know, very talented player out of the backfield, explosive athlete. I mean, this dude can, this dude can run He's boy. Let me tell athlete, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like good athlete, um, decent wiggle in the open field. Where he's a little bit different than Eckler's. Eckler's just got more. Uh, he's got more lateral quickness. You know, mm-hmm. Naheem Hines has a, a a lot of great sp- straight line speed. Um, I think he's good laterally too. Obviously, I'm not trying to knock him there. I'm just saying right. he's just not as good as Eckler. That's all. Yeah. Eckler's special when it comes to lateral movement. You know, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. So Naheem Hines is not quite there. Uh, but certainly he's somebody um, that that I am targeting or at least trying to target um, repeatedly. Uh, once you get, you know, past round, uh, you know, 10 or 11, you know, so, and even that might be a little high for him. Um, but that's okay. Um, I'm, I'm okay taking him, you know, in round 10 and just seeing what happens. So in terms of maybe like, <clears throat> besides for running back, maybe like, a cause we always have those breakout like wide receivers, whether it be a rookie, mm-hmm. whether it be someone that we just didn't see coming. So maybe in terms of wide receivers or running back yeah. rookies or, really that's on no one's radar who are you who are you looking at right now well there's a there's quite a few uh wide receivers that i i really love and obviously mm-hmm. my work with reception perception kind of exposes yeah, me to a go. lot a lot of <laughs> a lot yeah uh exposed me to a lot of wide receivers too um but i mean look w- w- once you get past the double digit rounds I, look when we talk about sleepers i'll, I'll give you a couple names I don't know if they qualify sleepers because everyone knows who they are, but right. that's okay. They're still going late. Okay. Like Elijah Moore going the 11th ah, round. Oh my man. Love him. Give me Elijah Moore all day long. He's going to be a starter. Um, and quite frankly, I think he's just a better receiver straight up right now, even day one than Corey Davis. Um, Corey Davis is okay, but yeah. he's not, he's not a number one. He's a, he is he's a Jets clearly number one. <laughs> he's the Jets. I'm uh, you know what? I won't even go that far. He's the Jets' X receiver, but I don't think he's their number one. And by the way, putting him at the X is, I don't think that's ideal. Like, what are we missing here, guys? Like, we already saw what he was as an X receiver in Tennessee. It, he's mm-hmm. not it. Yeah. Like, hey, bo- hey boss, he, he ain't it. Okay? <laughs> like, he's a flanker. He yeah. is a secondary receiver, you know? Um, he And so, like, I don't know, man. I, I, don't, I, I don't think Elijah They worked Moore, well for him last year being basically well, behind AJ Brown. I mean, you couldn't Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. AJ Brown was the X, right? Like yeah. he's the he's the dominant, you know, receiver, the go-to mm-hmm. guy and then the secondary guy running flanker, you know, r- running whatever is, is Corey Davis. And, and I thought that role suited him very well. Um Elijah Moore doesn't profile athletically as an X receiver, so I, I don't think he would ever play that position. But mm-hmm. maybe as a as a flanker, I think he can. He, I think he can kick outside. I think he can play a little bit of outside receiver. Obviously, he played uh, predominantly inside receiver uh, there at Ole Miss. But yeah. uh, he is somebody that I, I'm looking at. I think I really believe in the talent level, um, and I think he's really really good. Uh, Darnell Mooney is somebody who's been flashing in camp a lot, um, and, and he's got a decent profile too. So um, you know with Andy Dalton under center, probably not as much, but I don't, I don't think anyone's anticipating Andy Dalton to play, you know, more than a game or two, maybe three at most. Right. So yeah. uh, once Justin Fields hits the field, I think Darnell Mooney's, you know, ceiling will be unlocked. And, and he is somebody who's going in the uh, 11th round. 
uh, pretty late that that I think is is really really good. Um, if we're going like even later, uh, golly, like Amon Ross St. Brown is somebody who's going in the in like the fourteenth round, and um, and he is to me somebody that I mean, if we're if we're using the whole Rams thing, like Jared Goff really leaned on Cooper Cup. Right. Amon Ross St. Brown can be that guy. Um, he is a tough player, plays inside, um, and he's real handsy, man. Like, I, I love the tools that he brings to the table with Detroit, um, and I really think Amon Ross St. Brown going in, like, the 14th round. Like, he's going in the same, like, range as, like, Randall Cobb. Like, get out of here. Like, no, stop. It's, all, like, Amon Ross St. Brown every single time, okay? Um, and and who else is going to catch passes there? Which, by the way, leads me to Brashad Perriman, which I know sounds... Yeah. Like, Tyrell Williams, okay. something like that. Like, why yeah. are we doing, why are we talking about Brashad Perriman, this is the thing. Perriman has actually played okay. Perriman as a, as a player has actually been all right. He's just been saddled with bad offenses. And I'm not saying this is going to be a good offense. I don't think Anthony Lynn and company is going to run a great offense in Detroit, but they're going to be behind. They're going to be behind a yeah. lot. And Perriman is their ex outside receiver. He's going to see a lot of air yards. He's going to see targets, man. He's going to see targets. And he's going to see a lot of deep shots in this offense. Um, for somebody that you're take you're getting for free in drafts. I mean, again, if we're talking deep, deep sleepers, like give me Brashad Perriman all day long. I love uh, the upside for him, especially if, if we're playing best ball. Perriman all day long. Love Perriman. Nice. He is going to have a two touchdown week at some point. Uh, this season, um, and, and it and it's all it's all there, guys. It is all there. Okay, like he has decent quarterback play. Like I don't want to hear anything about Jared Goff being a bad quarterback. Like if you think he's not the answer, he's not going to lead you a Super Bowl. Fine. Is he a top ten guy? No. no. But he is he is league average. So he's getting league average quarterback play. Um, can so throw a decent that deep he hasn't ball. gotten in his career really. Yes, exactly. Um, and again, the defense stinks. Okay, <laughs> they're going to be playing from behind a lot. They're going to be fit, playing from behind a lot. They're going to have to take some shots downfield. Um, I really like Perriman and uh, Amon Ross St. Brown um, as late sleepers. Coming from, I'm glad that you mentioned, well, first off, I'm glad that you mentioned Prashad Perryman because I'm I'm a Jet fan, diehard Jet mm. fan, unfortunately. So, <laughs> so seeing him last year play with, what he played a lot better with Joe Flacco, but someone right. who I mean is maybe at this point definitely below average in his career. Like he excelled, he had a few hundred yard games. Like he really kind of broke out, and that's what the Jets signed him for was kind of to be that one year guy. And I'm especially happy that you mentioned Elijah Moore because uh, I'm super excited about him, and I'm also really excited about Zach Wilson. And I really feel like I mentioned this in a previous show with um, a writer uh, for like a Jet website. And we were talking about how, you know, Wilson and Moore coming up together, being drafted together, you know, being through rookie camp and everything together, it really could build a really strong rapport. And I feel like a young quarterback always looks for that one guy, that one guy, like you usually see it with tight ends. I feel yeah, like locks in yeah. yeah, and he just locks in. So I feel like Elijah Moore is really going to be that guy that Zach Wilson just locks in like triple coverage. He's just like, screw it. Maybe he'll get it. You know, like <laughs> something like that. Well, look, I'm not as optimistic about Zach Wilson um, as some other people are. I, mm -hmm. I think he's got, I don't, he's got too many Jameis Winston vibes to oh, me, no. you know, oh, no. um, 
He's very loose with the football, um, and and he plays a lot of hero ball. He plays a lot of hero ball. Oh, great. That's what we saw in Sam Darnold, too, and then look what happened. I mean, you know. um, But, hey, listen, can can Robert Sala and and company kind of fix that? Um, Can they they force him into a system, uh, a system that utilizes his his arm talent uh, but doesn't ask him to make plays outside of that box? Uh, because I think that is what's going to be necessary to kind of, you know, corral some of the bad habits that he developed at BYU mm-hmm. when he felt more than comfortable and empowered, really, to to chuck balls into double coverage downfield against, you know, these 5'9 Mountain West cornerbacks. Like, bro, you throw those in the pros, like, those are getting picked off every single time. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Like, can he fix that? Um, and there's certainly a possibility they can there's there's really no reason why he can't yeah um i don't i don't know anything about his work ethic at all but certainly just coming out of of school uh he has a lot of work to do in the decision making process and but i i I understand why a lot of people are excited about the arm talent for sure Mm -hmm. i also the one thing the i always mention this when i talk about zach wilson the one constant red flag i had with him was that you know, playing, well, I mean, he doesn't really play, BYU doesn't have a conference, right? They're independent. Yeah, but, I think um, they're independent, but yeah, but, they play Mountain West teams, yeah. But playing against, you know, that type, of, that type of competition and having a top 10 offensive line in Division One football against mm. talent like that, you know, that's right. what really, like, he, he. I don't really want to say that he hasn't faced adversity when it comes to, like, pass rushing, but he really hasn't, so that's <laughs> why really I'm, like, I'm very concerned about how he's going to, you know, go up against like real pass rushers. But that's also why I feel like Joe Douglas has really tried to beef up the offensive line where it's just like, you know, he performed like this with a top 10 offensive line in NCAA. Let's try and get a top half offensive line. So maybe he could, right. you know, replicate some of those numbers. But that's really the one thing that kind of worries me about him where it's like, uh, you know, he what, I mean, what guy there, did he face last yeah, year? Yeah, I mean, like my two my two major question marks, obviously. Um, although, look, to, as a counterpoint to that, and I, and again, I'm not trying to cape up for Zach Wilson because, like I said, I'm I'm lower than consensus yeah. uh, on him, but um, he's also throwing to BYU receivers. You know, like yeah. he's not throwing to Elijah Moore, he's not throwing to Corey Davis, right? Like um, two guys that are first round draft picks, right? Like. Um, that's not who he's throwing to. I think actually Elijah Moore was second rounder. Second rounder, yeah, yeah, but early high second. second. But yeah, yeah, high second rounder. But yeah, so uh, he's not throwing to those guys, right? Like he's throwing to BYU receivers, right? Yeah. So there is some of that. But I will say, like the two concerns that I have is primarily one, the the decision making process. Um, he's always looking for the home run ball, which is not ideal. And then two, like, can he actually throw in breaking routes? Like, do we know that he can? Because from the you know the two or three games that I saw, um, that wasn't really featured a lot in that BYU offense. So I, I'm not really I'm not really sure. Um, obviously, people way smarter than me and people who know the game way better than me uh, believe that he can. I'm just saying in the two or three games that I watched, I I didn't see that, and that's an absolute staple. Uh, of an of any NFL offense, so uh, let's see. I don't know, you know. Yeah, um, 
I vowed going into this whole season because, you know, I say it every year and I'm like, you know, this is the year that it looks more promising than ever. And, and this year I'm just it like, does you know what? More, it no, does. It, it looks more promising. Does. Yeah, it definitely yeah, does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. this is the year that I'm like, you know what? Whatever happens, happens. I'm not going to lose sleep over it like I usually do. Like, like I go. work on Sundays, so I like leave early. Like I, I like put <laughs> my job at risk. I'm like, yeah, screw that right. place. I'm going home to watch. And then they're getting <laughs> 34 to 7. Right. So like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm not going to do that this year. Just whatever happens, happens. And enjoy Perfect. probably four to six wins that they get this year. But yeah, um, you know, what we talked about sleepers, obviously with sleepers comes bust. So hmm. like in terms of PPR, who, who are maybe you that you're looking at that might not get drafted as high or mm. they might not get drafted, get drafted too high for their. <clears throat> um, golly, man. Um, I'm, I'm getting a little bit worried about Jonathan Taylor. Um, I know he's still going pretty early, although we are seeing his, um, ADP fall more recently. Quentin Nelson is a Hall of Fame guard, and, yeah. and that offensive line all of a sudden looks really shaky on that side. Um, I, it's yeah, I don't know. That that's that's an interesting one. Um, and and a lot of what Taylor did last year too was against bad teams. Yeah, you know, like I don't know how many yards he had against Houston and Jacksonville, but those were he had monster games against those two teams, and so he had four games against those those two teams, and those were literally the two worst you know rush defenses. Um, in the NFL. So um, he put together like a huge campaign based off of that um, against better teams. He obviously did not do quite as well. The bottom line is he's a talented player. Um, so I don't know. I, I feel a little hesitant in saying that because his ADP is falling and he's a talented player. Um, and Quentin Nelson is going to come back at some point. Yeah. Carson Wentz also too. It's like, what's the deal? Yeah, you know, like, throwing is he missing- the cold season out and they're like, well, they are coming back. <laughs> yeah, they are coming back. And plus, by the way, it's not a 16. It's it's 18 weeks now. Yeah. Right. So it's an extra game. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit. Uh, I'm, I'm just kind of blah on on Jonathan Taylor. Um, you know where he's going. I probably still pass. And um, I'm not like I'm not like clamoring to get my shares yeah. of Jonathan Taylor. Um, I think like when I take a look at like somebody like. Um, J.K. Dobbins going so high, like Where's he a going? little bit. He's going in like the he's going in like the mid to late second round. Um, and for me, I'm just kind of sort of like I look around that draft price, and I I can almost guarantee you, like I'm never going to draft this guy. Like he's going in the same range as Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, Oof. Keenan Allen, Terry McLaurin, like George Kittle's in that range too. Allen Robinson, like forget it. Like give me all those guys ahead of J.K. Dobbins, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Um, uh, and, and again, there's it, it, nothing against JK Dobbins. It's just, what's the touchdown upside with Lamar Jackson lurking on the goal line? Um, you know, that they're going to use Gus Edwards too. Um, you know, I, I think he obviously will catch a lot of passes in the backfield, but here's the thing with running quarterbacks. They don't really, there's not a lot of dump offs, you know, there's just not a lot yeah, of, they'd rather take the ground yards. Yeah. Why not? You know, it's like, mm-hmm. if I'm going to get two yards thrown into my running back or, or two to two to 20 running the ball. Let's just run it, you know, and like, <laughs> yeah, and really, and really, is that a bad decision making process? Like, do you want to give the ball to J.K. Dobbins or do you want Lamar, ja- Lamar freaking Jackson to hold on? I would rather have Lamar Jackson hold on to it. Yeah, definitely. You know? <laughs> so I just think he comes with a little bit of risk. I think there's going to be some volatility uh, week to week. And, and just in that price range, like I'm just, I'm just not that interested, honestly, you know. Um, there are other players too. Like I, I guess I don't understand like Miles Sanders, Miles, uh, two Miles, Miles Sanders and Miles Gaskins, uh, going in like the late third, early fourth. Like, 
Um, I, the Eagles offense looks atrocious. I, I don't, I, I'm just yeah, not a believer, you know, like I think Jalen hurts is a fine player. Um, but I think they've got issues on the offensive line. I, I think like pass catchers wise, like, do they have it? Do they not have it? We're not sure. There's a lot of question marks and miles Sanders too. It's just kind of like, there's question marks with miles Sanders too, you know? Right. So I, I don't know. And then miles Gaskins, like, I, well, like, I guess I'm, I just don't know. Like I watch miles Gaskins play and I'm just like, this is a literally a league league replacement level player. <laughs> He's like, he could literally, and like somebody, I mean, there's 15, 20 guys right now that could probably give you miles San or miles Gaskin production. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I'm just kind of like, <clears throat> how secure is his job? I, I, I yeah, guess I'm, I'm just not that confident. That backfield is a mess. A little bit, you know, so yeah. I'm just kind of sort of like, I don't know about his job security. So I, I, he's another player where you look at like some of the guys that are going around him, Josh Allen, Julio Jones, Robert Woods, Mike Evans, Amari Cooper, um, yeah, Cooper bother? Cup, like, oh yeah, like just give me all those guys ahead of those, mm -hmm. you know, two, two running backs that I had listed off. But um, I, I think that's, I, I don't know. Those are the kind of the guys that like kind of are red flags for me. And again, it's more of just like their price versus like the player, you know, like I don't think any of these players are bad. It's just a, it's just a price analysis to me. Um, like, you know, again, I, that's why I, that's why I'm saying like, look at who's going around them. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, I'd rather exactly. have those guys. Uh, I don't, and again, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to disparage Jonathan Taylor or whatever, Miles Sand. I, I they're it's good. You'd rather have the guys around them. Yeah. And listen, if those guys fell two rounds, trust me, like I'm, I'm all over it. You know, yeah. I'm all, I'd be, I'd be just saying, Hey, Miles Sanders, you got to take him in the, <laughs> he's going the sixth round. Like, Oh my God, Miles Sanders. Like, you know, like, so it's all, it's all about price, man. Like that's, that's all, that's all it comes down to. So I just have a couple more things for you. I know, like I said, we didn't, we didn't have too much time on this, but one of the things that I really wanted to know, and one of my buddies brought it up to me, he said, that in terms of because you're talking about like draft price and everything like that so in terms of guys like maybe zeke elliott saquon barkley even michael thomas because i know that you know he had surgery and everything like mm -hmm. where where are they worth drafting because zeke is coming off of a bad year saquon's coming off of a, yeah. a bad knee injury and thomas has just been michael thomas you know so what right. what really where are those guys going and where do you think like their value stands so for me, Zeke Elliott, I think Zeke and Saquon are properly valued. Mm -hmm. Zeke right now is like a top five pick. You know, it's like you really? got Christian Still? McCaffrey. Wow. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara. Those are, I think, your clear cut top four guys, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I just want to make this clear, by the way, not for me, but consensus wise, those are your top four guys. I have a lot of questions uh, about injuries and health concerns um, for almost everybody on that list. Yeah. And then Alvin Kamara injuries, a little bit less, although the back issue does concern me, um, a little bit less injury concern for Alvin Kamara and a little bit more overall offensive concerns. Like I think the saints offense is not going to be very good. Um, and when you are investing a top five pick into a running back, you, you like, I hate to break it to people, but like running backs need good environments. Yeah. Okay. Like they're not good standalone, um, you know, players, uh, unlike, for example, like wide receivers or quarterbacks who can perform even in, in, in crappy offenses. Um, but running backs 
need good offenses to thrive. Why is that? It's because of touchdowns. Um, and, and quite honestly, it's also because you want to be in close competitive games as a running back. You don't want to be in blowouts mm-hmm. either way, right? If you're trailing, running backs don't get a lot of dump offs. If you're way ahead, that's good. You're going to yeah. get a lot of, of carries, you're going to get yeah. a lot of, of carries, but uh, again, in PPR, uh, you kind of sort of want this balanced close games where you're mixing in the running back with carries and catches, you know? Um, so that's just my thing. But anyways, regardless, those are your top four. I think Zeke is, is a fine top five player. Um, a lot of folks that I know are really um, feeling like Zeke is, is probably one of the safer picks in fantasy in, in the top five. And I guess I kind, kind of sort of see that. I think Dallas's offense is going to be really, really good. They're going to yeah. score a lot of points. Uh, so you talk about that good environment. He, he's in a good environment. Plus, he gets a lot of checkdowns from Dak uh, Prescott as well. Um, so yeah, I think he has some, I think he still has a lot of juice left. I think some folks are a little worried about Tony Pollard and obviously the tread on tires. He's been one of the most heavily used running backs, um, over the last, you know, four or five seasons. So, um, there, there, there's, you know, God, Zeke is such a tough eval for me, man. Like mm-hmm. I'm a little bit worried about the tread on the tires, but then at the same time, he's in a really, really good offense and he himself is a really, really good player. So that's why I feel like, Hey, as a top five pick, I think he's fairly Not the valued. worst. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, you know, it's. I think he'll. I think he'll be more than fine. Saquon Barkley is an interesting one. We are in the period right now in preseason football where guys are talking themselves up, like, "Oh my God, best shape of my life." Oh my, I man, I feel great. You know, like, "Oh, those injury concerns are behind me." Like all that stuff. That's not what Saquon's saying, and that's not what the Giants are saying. Uh, Saquon and the Giants are saying, "Well, let's take our time." Yeah. Well. We're not sure what's going to happen week one. Well, I don't have a timetable. These are all huge red flags uh, for me, for a guy who has been injured in back-to-back seasons. So um, I'm, uh, I'm, a little, I'm a little hesitant about Saquon, but golly, man, his ADP has fallen quite a bit. Where is he, he getting drafted right now? So, so he started the offseason as like the second overall pick, just behind uh, Christian McCaffrey. Um, but then as news started to trickle down, um, he's, his, his value has fallen, and now he's like hanging around the top 10. You know, he can go anywhere between like 10 and like, you know, 13, 13, 14, um, just depending on, on, on people, how they feel about Saquon. But mm-hmm. so, yeah, so his, his value has fallen like almost an entire round, wow. which is alarming. You know, it's, it's not. <laughs> I mean, hey, listen, if you're looking for if you're actually looking for silver linings, that's not bad because, again, we're talking about value and prices and Saquon's price as a second overall pick is is terrible. But as the 12th overall pick, you're getting you're still getting top one or two upside and you're taking him at 12. The only problem is you're taking him at 12 and you could also be getting like bottom or uh, uh, top 25 upside. So yeah. there's a little bit of risk reward factor in there. But if you like to play dangerously, you know, Saquon Barkley, you know, hanging around pick number 10 or 11, 12 is actually pretty enticing if you are more of a risk taking, you know, fantasy player. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of feel like if in like a snake style draft, like if you have the opportunity to maybe get a premium running back or a premium wide receiver, and then come back and take a chance on him. I feel like a lot more people would be open more to that, yeah, than anything. But I, you know, you know, anything. If 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 you're sitting at the back end of the first round and Saquon Barkley is there, 
I wouldn't take right. him with my first pick. I would only consider taking him if, if I already had a guy on my team. I got you. Yeah. But um, in terms of – so, like, Michael Thomas, what are you feeling about Michael Thomas? Yeah, Michael Thomas is uh, – godly, that's, a, that's another interesting one. You know, like, because how far – um, how far is he going to fall? You know, um, like right now he's going in like the, the, the middle of the fifth, sometimes in like the sixth round. And I don't know how I feel about it. You know, um, he's going to miss a bunch of time. Yeah. So, you know, you're not getting a full season out of him. So you're not getting, you're not, you're actually not drafting a starter. It's almost like you're drafting a backup, um, that you're hoping develops. And by the way, when he comes back, like who knows what he's going to look like. It's not like it's not like he's gonna have foot surgery and be back and be like hundred percent Michael Thomas, right? Yeah. Like that's not how it works. Like he's gonna come back. There's probably gonna be some ramp up weeks where like he needs a couple weeks to get ramped up. Um, and then he'll play. But when he plays, he's the clear cut number one wide receiver, um, for sure. Like he's gonna see you know thirty percent, thirty five percent target share. Um, He'll get some, he'll get more deep downfield shot. Did you know that Michael Thomas, I know he was injured, but he still played nine games. Did you know Michael Thomas did not see a single target, not one target of 20 yards or more downfield? Like to me, that me. is, that is bonkers. It, it is bonkers. Like, the only reason it doesn't surprise me is because of, especially last year with Breeze's arm, essentially being a pool noodle. I feel like he could nah, right. more than 20 yards. <laughs> But I mean, still, guys like Traquan Smith were getting. Jared Cook saw a handful of uh, of twenty yard targets downfield. Mm-hmm. Like so, like I don't know. It's it's just interesting uh, his role in this offense. But you got to think like when he comes back, like they got to open it up. They got yeah. to. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. So I don't know. Um, but anyways, where he's going right now, I still probably pass. Um, he'd have to fall into like the seventh, eighth, or ninth round, I guess, for me to kind of sort of consider. Um, that at that point where, where you're, you know, again, in the seventh round, you're kind of sort of, you are kind of sort of drafting backups. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, if he goes there, then great. But in the fifth round, you're still drafting starters, man, you know? And so like, for me, that makes it, that makes it a pretty tough ask. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Yeah. You're, you're right. I was wondering, cause I haven't even looked like I, when my draft is set, I don't look at anything until like three hours before the draft so like i have no idea where like the like the adps or anything like that is yeah so, yeah 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 so i was really curious as to where he's going but l- like you said i mean anywhere anywhere between like five and seven i probably wouldn't consider i was thinking like if he's there in the ninth or tenth i would take him just because you're you're essentially drafting a guy that's going to be number one out the gate when he does come back and that's good for like yeah. a like a late season like playoff push or if you're in the playoffs but yeah, yeah. I, he won't fall that far he yeah. just won't he has too much name value and you know people are going to get a little antsy about his value falling and i i i can almost guarantee you he's not going to fall past a seventh i i i would doubt it i tell you what in the seventh round i would take him you know so he's not going to fall past the seventh all right, that's that's actually good to know. Now I'm getting all this information before uh, before my drafts, and I, I got the advantage <laughs> over all, all the guys in my league. But yeah, there you I, go. There I you just go. got one more thing um, to ask you before you know I let you go. And like again, I appreciate you coming on. Really do. I know that you have a lot of things going on. But in terms of because we all know that really a lot of leagues are won through the waiver wire. Mm-hmm. So maybe is there someone? I know it's tough to predict. Maybe is right. there any? You could see in the waiver like a deep, maybe like a handcuff or like a, a deep sleeper, a rookie, someone like that, that might be able to win a league for someone down the line. 
Oh, golly. Um, I mean, again, I, I was talking about these guys that were going, you know, way late. You know, I'm yeah. on run. I know Brashad. Actually, Brashad Perriman's a good candidate for that. Um, golly, if I'm thinking like way, way, way late, um, I, I wonder if Emmanuel Sanders will be drafted, and if he's not, he'll you know he's a, a prime good. candidate. Um, that's somebody that you should be looking at. Um, I I don't know. I, I thought Gabe Davis was okay. I didn't think he was anything special. And and for me, I think Emmanuel Sanders is like perfect, absolutely perfect for that offense. Um, a a, a real pros pro, um, real handsy, um, good route runner, and just he just fits in with that team. Like this is a team that has yeah. championship aspirations. And those teams need veteran leadership. Um, and Emmanuel Sanders is that guy. So, um, boy, he, he's somebody that I really like, um, you know, a little bit later. Golly, who, who, is, who else is there? I, I mean, you can't even say guys like Xavier Jones in L.A. Because, mm-hmm. like, even guys like Xavier Jones, they're getting drafted, man. Like, um, so it is, it is really, ah, golly, I'm trying, I'm really trying to think. Well, I mean, maybe in like my league, that guy would not, Xavier Jones would not get drafted, you know, maybe, because, yeah, like, maybe that's what, that's what I'm thinking. So like in, in terms of like, I don't want to say normal people cause you're a normal guy, but you know what I mean? Guys that don't yeah, look at this. Yeah, no, it, I, I mean, it, here's the thing. Xavier Jones is getting drafted and, and I know he's going a little bit later. Right. So like he's going like, you know, 10, 12, 12th round, but um, but Xavier Jones is somebody who is a handcuff, a straight handcuff to Daryl Henderson. Henderson's going to be the starter in L.A. I, the Rams are going to have a fabulous offense. They always yeah. do. Um, Matt Stafford obviously is an upgrade at, at quarterback for them. Um, um, you know, offensive line is a little bit of a worry, but they figure it out. The Rams figure it yeah. out. Um, and Sean McVay, like, you know, people think of this guy as like some, uh, he's a, he is an offensive guru. Don't get me wrong. People think of it's like anytime you use the word offensive guru, people think throwing the ball. Mm, McVeigh is really, and he is a quarterback guy. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but man, he has done a really good job manufacturing yards on the ground, um, and that's where his offense actually, believe it or not, starts is with a good ground game. Um, that outside zone run scheme that he uh, employs there in, in LA, it, it is other than Kyle Shanahan, I think it's the best run scheme um, in the NFL. So you know, can guys run this scheme and like he is just needs to find scheme fit running backs and is Xavier Jones that dude? I don't know, but I do know this. Sean McVay um, has made it be known that he wants to run a committee. So, um, you know, that's why I always thought Cam Akers was way overvalued. He was an absolute do not draft list on my, uh, on my early season, you know, projections based on ADP. Um, and Daryl Henderson was my favorite, was my favorite um, r- target running back to target late. Now, now Xavier Jones kind of sort of enters that conversation because again, McVay has let it be known he's not going to have a workhorse back. He is going to have some kind of committee. What we will, what will be really interesting to see is Daryl Henderson is not going to play in the preseason, and in the preseason, who's going to get reps? Is it going to be Xavier Jones? Is it going to be this rookie out of Maryland named Jake Funk? Um, Funk has had some serious problems staying uh, healthy. He's torn his, I think, left ACL two times oh, in a row. Oh, my God. Back-to-back years. <laughs> um, so everyone thinks it's going to be Xavier Jones right out the gates. And By the way, rookies, they don't ever – they never play well 
um, in a Sean McVay offense uh, as rookies. So uh, that will be something to keep in mind. By the way, Van Jefferson, please keep that name circled somewhere. Like that kid. I was wondering when you were going to say something about play. Van Jefferson. Van Jefferson, boy, that that dude can play. Okay, and um, and I don't know where he fits in this offense. You know, because again, he he doesn't profile as an X receiver, and he can't really get outside and do those things. But man, man, this guy can play. Um, and so, so he I he just needs to be rostered somewhere, just because like I don't know when it's gonna hit, but it's gonna hit. Like this guy can absolutely um, do some damage out there, and I'm really interested to see uh, what Sean McVay cooks up for for Van Jefferson. All right, I'm glad that you. Uh, I'm glad because I was you know. They drafted someone else. Yeah, Tutu um, Atwell, which yeah, yeah, that's again, right. Tutu Atwell, that's right. Again, uh, they're trying to look for speed on the outside, which I understand. Deshaun yeah. Jackson, by the way, is like a good late round candidate too, who's going to be on the waiver wire. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know how many games he's going to play. Probably, I mean, given his recent history, maybe like three or four. Okay, <laughs> but and they're hoping Tutu Atwell can, you know, at some point this season supplant Deshaun Jackson as an outside speed vertical threat. But they let Brandon Cooks go. Right. So um, somebody has to fill that speed spot. And it's obviously Deshaun Jackson for right now. Um, and, and I think, by the way, I think that connection Deshaun with Matt Stafford. Oh, my goodness. I'm salivating. I'm, 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 I'm fanning myself <laughs> thinking about this connection because Deshaun, even at this advanced age, is still one of the premier yeah. deep threats in the NFL. Um, a little bit of a hot take here, but I think he's like a top five deep threat of all time. Honestly, like that's how good of a deep threat he is. Like he's just nasty. I mean, if you look um, at his highlight reel, that that definitely supports your claim right there. And they're, I mean, they're all deep shots, and it doesn't yeah. matter who who's on him. Like you could put the fastest DB in the world on; he's outrunning that guy. You know, um, and, and so yeah, no, he's uh, even at this advanced age. Like he's like if we're talking Madden ratings, like he still has a ninety speed. You know, like I don't know if he does, but he should. You know, like <laughs> he's still got ninety speed, man. Like he's fast, boy. So. Um, I think, and I love that connection. Um, and Stafford throws a beautiful deep ball. Um, and, he, and he's been missing that, you know, for a little bit. So, um, yeah, man, I, I think I, I'm just, I'm just hyping up the Rams like crazy. Yeah, like, no. All right. So there we go. All, all guys. On all, the Rams. It's all Rams all the time, baby. <laughs> Let's go. So yeah, no. And, and, and there's a lot of reasons why a lot of folks are really, really high on the Rams this year. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. one of those people. I think they're going to do special too, yeah. things. Yeah, I, I think they're going to put up a lot of points. So, so yeah, you want pieces of that pie, man. And by the way, like these guys are going late. Like that's what's nice is like their value hasn't skyrocketed, even though everyone thinks they're going to put up a lot of points. You know, mm-hmm. so I think the Rams are the best value on the board when we're talking about just overall fantasy assets because everyone's going late. Like it's crazy to me. All right, there you go. The Rams um, inside reporter James Coe. <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but um. No, that's some, that's, I mean, you've given me and whoever listens or watches this a lot of valuable information. And um, I really can't thank you enough for coming on. I know that we went probably a little bit over what, what yeah, uh, a little bit. It's okay. I'm, I'm sorry about that, but um, thank you again for coming on. Thank you for taking the time. I really, really appreciate it, man. Uh, I'm going to plug all your stuff in YouTube and, and uh, on Twitter and everything like that. So I got that's you cool, covered. Man. Don't worry about that. All right. Thanks bro. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, man. Thank you for coming on again. I appreciate it. All good, man. It's good to be part of the show and, uh, and good luck.